The e-resource of this episode is Heritage Hub. Heritage Hub is Newsbank's collection of U.S. obituaries and death notices for in-depth genealogical research from 1704 to today. Includes deep coverage from all 50 states, hard-to-find content from the mid-1900s, and original obituary images. Easily identify relatives, uncover new information, and potentially unknown family members. You can find Heritage Hub under the topic genealogy in the research section of our website. And according to those oral histories I mentioned, Barkley used to drive his farm tractor uh, over to Shawnee Mission Park and just create new walking trails uh, <laughs> through the prairies and the woods on a whim. Joko Library Uncovered. Where have all the good men gone and where are all the gods? Where's the streetwise Hercules to fight the raising odds? Isn't there a white knight upon a fiery steed? Late at night I toss and I turn and I dream of what I need. I need a hero. I'm holding out for a hero till the end of the night. He's got to be strong and he's got to be fast and he's got to be fresh from the Okay, (laughs) wait. Why? Well, why? <laughs> Dave, I would, the episode today, I, I figured it's sung heroes. Oh, I should, I should no, sing a no, song about. No. What? No. The episode is unsung heroes. Unsung heroes. Oh. Okay. Unsung, <laughs> no, no singing. No. 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 In fact, I, I I think there was a rule that only I'm allowed. To do. And That's I was true. I was really tempted to just see how far <laughs> you could take this. Like, how much of this song do you know? Um, about about that about that much. <laughs> okay, I, I must have misread the the planning sheet for this episode. Yeah, I I think so. I thought it was sung heroes. Clearly, that's Un- not the case. Sung unsung heroes. Do you, do you know what an unsung hero is? It's somebody that doesn't sing? It has nothing to do with singing. Okay. <laughs> I, I feel like these are the heroes that uh, the stories just don't get told and they should. Okay. Yeah. And and they're worth singing about. Yeah. Well, uh, I think a good idea then would probably be to put this whole intro aside, <laughs> not worry about Oh, no. That. People are going to hear this. Oh. I'm not deleting it. <laughs> okay. All right. Well... Uh, enjoy that song. Go back, re-record it for your ringtones. <laughs> and uh, after this quick break, we'll be back with a guest to talk about some unsung heroes. Library News. So we are back, and like we said in the top of the show, we are talking about unsung heroes. And and no more singing. No more singing. <laughs> Hopefully no more singing for the rest of the episode. Although, I don't know. Maybe our guest yeah. would prefer. I mean, I don't know. Speaking of guests, why don't you introduce yourself? 
Hi, thanks. Uh, I'm Andrew Gustafson. I'm the curator of interpretation at the Johnson County Museum. Uh, did a little singing in high school, but not today. <laughs> okay. Not today. Good. Well, welcome, Andrew. And the reason we brought you on is because of your connections with the Johnson County Museum and your knowledge of history. We figured you would be a great guest to come in and talk about some unsung heroes. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, excited to be here. Yeah, I'm very curious to, to, to hear just who some of these unsung heroes are of Johnson County history. Yeah. Well, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, don't, why don't you start us off with our first hero today? Okay, sounds good. Okay, our first unsung hero today is John Lewis Barkley. He was born in 1895 in a different Joko, Johnson County, Missouri. And he was raised on a farm and spent a lot of time outside, uh, gaining a deep appreciation for nature and, as he always said, hard work, right? Um, so Barkley, uh, he had a really harrowing experience during World War One. He was drafted into the Army. He trained at Camp Funston at Fort Riley here in Kansas and was deployed to France in the spring of 1918. He participated in the Second Battle of the Marne and the Meuse-Argonne Offensive, some really fierce fighting taking mm -hmm. place in France. Um, in that latter battle, he captured an enemy machine gun and used a ruined tank for cover while, and this is in the official record, okay, he single-handedly broke up two German assaults on a hill that Allied forces were trying desperately to hold. So pretty intense person, right? Pretty wow. intense fighting. Yeah. Uh, he received the Medal of Honor for his action there. And it noted that he had conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity above and beyond the call of duty in action with the enemy. Okay. So his fellow Missourian, Gen uh, General John J. Pershing, uh, presented the medal to Barkley during a ceremony in front of all of his comrades. So uh, pretty cool stuff there. Wow. Yeah. yeah. But there's actually more to Barkley's story. So, and now the rest of the story. Yeah, wait, 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 well, that's a different show. from <laughs> long ago. So military hero, which is amazing. Um, but there's more that takes place here in Johnson County, Kansas, too. Okay. So he returns home after the war to Kansas City, and he buys a dairy farm in what's now Mission. At the time, there was no Mission, right? Yeah, mission Kansas. He farmed there for decades and earned a local nickname as Farmer John. Um, he married in 1936 uh, Marguerite Mullen, a, a native of Johnson County, Kansas, and from a really old farming family going back to the 1870s. And they were active in the area in agriculture, but also in this new suburbanization that was happening after World War II. In fact, they owned a lot of the land that became Mission Kansas. They sold it to developers. And they were also active in social, civic, and fraternal organizations in the 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, they were both involved in Sertoma Club, um, which was really active in Johnson County. It stood for Service to Mankind, Sertoma, okay. Okay. Um, a rotary-type organization. Yeah, yeah. And that club and his membership in that club was really instrumental in what happened next. So Sertoma Club members were really interested in preserving green space, creating parkland in Johnson County. The suburbs were growing at such an exponential rate. You know, Johnson County's population goes from 33,000 in 1940 to 66,000 in 1950 to 143,000 in 1960. So an wow. increase of 110,000 people in 20 years. <laughs> so fast. Wow. Yeah. Incredible, right? So green spaces that existed, you know, farm fields, forests, prairies, they were being gobbled up by development. And, you know, in their place are tree-lined streets and the suburbs and pocket parks and schoolyards, right? So Sertoma Club members were starting this long effort to preserve parkland in Johnson County. And Barkley recalled his own time growing up in the country, playing outside and working hard on the farm and loving nature. And he becomes this passionate advocate for preserving green space, parklands uh, in Johnson County for the future, but also for people living in the county at the time in the 1950s. So there's a lot to this story, of course, that yeah. I'm leaving out, right? And I'll tell you how to learn more. 
in just a moment. But in 1956, the Sertoma Club and, and Barkley as a member of that uh, and others, they were successful in getting a park district declared and getting tax funding to buy the land and build parks in Johnson County. Mm-hmm. Barkley was so involved in this process, actually, that he was tasked with purchasing the land for the park district and became the first superintendent of parks in Johnson County. Um, According to oral histories, um, well, actually, the park district started with Antioch Park in 1958, and then Shawnee Mission Park opened in 1964. And according to those oral histories I mentioned, Barkley used to drive his farm tractor uh, over to Shawnee Mission Park and just create new walking trails uh, (laughs) through the prairies and the woods on a whim. So he was very active as an individual in these parks, too. He dies in 1966, but he had helped to lay the foundation for Johnson County Park and Recreation District, a name they adopted in 1969. And he literally shaped the first two parks that they opened um, and that larger district with his own hands and his own tractor, right? (laughs) His advocacy for green space and community helped create one of the leading county services, one that residents consistently value in the top five county services when they're surveyed. So pretty incredible story there. Wow. What was his name again? John Barkley. John Barkley. Yep. An unsung Johnson County hero. Yeah. And if I Salute. can, there's a pretty cool bonus story there, too. Yeah. Can I say one more thing? For okay. sure. Yeah. So John's wife, Marguerite Mullen, right? She was involved in the Shawnee Mission Indian Historical Society. This is a group of people passionate about local history. Mm-hmm. And this spins off later to become the Johnson County Museum. So this Joko Power couple found the two organizations that I work for today, <laughs> JCPRD wow. and Joko Museum. Um, and their stories are shared in um, some new markers in Shawnee Mission Park. They're called History in the Park Markers. Interpretive panels that the museum and JCPRD work together to create, um, and they're installed at the entrance to Shawnee Mission Park. They help give a sense of place to people visiting the the park district. And you know what that entrance park is called at Shawnee Mission Park? No, I don't think so. No, Barkley Plaza in honor okay. of John Barkley. That makes sense. Wow, yeah. that's amazing. And you know uh, what little I know about Kansas City history, um, it seems like the ideas of uh, parks were were very contentious, and and they they were fought by so many people because uh, there there were a, a group of people that did not want to see them. They didn't like the the concept of public ownership of land, and so. Yeah, yeah, I think there's a long history behind parks, how they're used, you know, where they're located and how the funding is is uh, originated for them. So there's all sorts of history yeah. behind that. Too. So I, I find for it people interesting. fighting for it right, right. is so, interesting. So it, it took somebody that went to France and, and did actual fighting to come back and, and fight for some some parkland. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. What an amazing story. Well, that was a great start to our unsung heroes. Do you have another hero for us? I do. I do. So our second unsung hero was a teacher turned civil rights advocate. Um, maybe a little more uh, well known than than John Barkley, but Corinthian Clay Nutter was born in Dallas, Texas in 1907, but she moved to the Kansas City area in her teens. And she attended Western University, a prestigious all-black college that used to be in the Quindaro neighborhood of Kansas City, Kansas. And she paid for her education by working as a hairdresser, and there's some evidence that she may have worked as a Madam Walker hairdresser. So Madam C.J. Walker was the country's first black woman millionaire, uh, famous for making a line of beauty products that were marketed specifically to black women, as well as creating an educational program for teaching black women across the country how to become beauticians and hairdressers in their own communities. OK, um, very active in the Kansas cities, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Walker is somebody who you should definitely look up if you haven't before. She was absolutely fascinating. But. Corinthian Nutter um, worked 
probably for her programs. And she highly valued education. She earns her own teaching certificate in the 1930s. So her first teaching position is at the Dunbar School in Shawnee, Kansas. The school was a one-room school, which really wasn't that unusual in Johnson County at the time. Very rural. There were 101 one-room schoolhouses that dotted the county in the early 1900s, which is crazy to think about that many yeah, schoolhouses. Yeah. Um, but the unusual thing about Dunbar was that it was a segregated school. So it served only Shawnee's few black students. And the only teacher there, Corinthian Nutter, she taught all eight grade levels in that one room for several years. Mm-hmm. So in 1943, she transfers to a slightly larger school. She goes to become one of two educators working at the Walker School in South Park, Kansas. It's an um, area around a neighborhood in, in Merriam today. From what we know, the school was named for Madam C.J. Walker, which is an interesting connection, although we don't know why. Um, But the Walker School also, like Dunbar, only served the black students living in South Park. It started as a one-room schoolhouse in the 1880s as an integrated school. Um, A second room had been added on, and at some point after 1900, it became the segregated school for South Park. Here are the conditions of that school as noted in 1948. No indoor toilet, an outhouse for bathroom facilities. No indoor running water. No central heating. There was a coal potbelly stove. Mm-hmm. Uh, no electricity, oil lamps. A basement lunchroom slash storeroom combo flooded when it rained. <laughs> and there were holes in the roof that let in rain and weather. So uh, a pretty poor facility for education. Right? Yeah. And when the South Park School District used taxpayer money from both black and white residents to fund a new elementary school in 1947 and 1948, uh, they only permitted white students to attend there. So black students were still attending this two-room school. South Park's black parents, students, and teachers organized the Walker School walkout. They refused to attend that school until the conditions were improved. And a South Park family named Webb initiated a lawsuit, which became known as Webb v. School District Number 90, okay? So Nutter walked out with her students. And there's this really wonderful picture of of about 40 uh, students sitting and standing with their arms crossed in defiance. And Nutter and her fellow teacher, Hazel McRae Weddington, are standing in the back, equally defiant with their arms crossed. These teachers then taught their students in church basements and living rooms for the whole year. Parents had bake sales and uh, fish fries to raise funds to be able to pay them because the school district refused to pay them when they weren't teaching in that school. The NAACP's National Journal Crisis magazine uh, covered the situation two different times, actually. And Nutter was called on to testify before the Kansas Supreme Court about the conditions at the Walker School. She was quoted in the records as saying, schools shouldn't be for a color, they should be for children, end quote. And her testimony was really integral to that case. Ultimately, the Kansas Supreme Court agreed with her. Being the era of Jim Crow, however, of separate but equal, um, the court ordered South Park's school district to build a separate but equal school for the black students. And if it couldn't afford to do that, then it could go ahead and integrate the new South Park Elementary School. And it did that in the fall of 1949. And as a byproduct, actually, Shawnee Mission Rural High School, Shawnee Mission North today, was also integrated. And I should say all of this is five years before Brown v. Board of Education of Topeka, a U.S. Supreme Court case out of Topeka, Kansas, achieved school desegregation nationally. Mm-hmm. So some pretty incredible stuff there. Yeah. But despite her advocacy for education for all and for standing up for the children in her community, Nutter wasn't hired back to teach at the South Park School. Oh, no. In fact, she was left without a job. And her next teaching position was at another segregated school, the all-black Lincoln School in Olathe, which remained segregated until 1954, until Brown v. Board desegregated mm. the schools. 
Nutter ultimately retired as principal from Olathe's Westview Elementary in 1979, um, and she died in 2004 at the age of 98 after a life spent advocating for equal educational opportunities for all students. Wow. I I, got to say that, Andrew, uh, thank you. You have really nailed this assignment. I feel like we are learning a ton. We've asked you to identify Johnson County unsung heroes. I didn't know that story. No, I I feel like I had heard the name in passing, maybe from like being involved. My background is in music education before I came to the library. So maybe hearing it around the education world, but I had no idea like the the, the full history yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I knew a lot about the one room schoolhouses, but I feel like there's a, a big jump from from there to, um, you know, post segregated school days. And so to have a little bit filled in, I, I was not aware that yeah. black students were kind of forced to attend separate. Be, yeah. Separate one room schoolhouses. But yeah. Yeah. With with no improvements whatsoever. Yeah. Wow. Fascinating. I wonder, is it possible that you could maybe introduce us to one more unsung hero? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Okay. So our last unsung hero today is actually still making history in Johnson County. So uh, he's Eric Arazzo. I thought you were going to say Charles Howard. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. no, Sorry, sorry. Not me. So Eric Arazzo uh, was working the Olathe School District um, just a few years ago, actually, in 2016. And he recognized a problem that he believed he could remedy. The school district's Latino or Hispanic male population needed an outlet for mentorship and skill building. Um, and their graduation rate uh, had faltered. Um, by the way, the school district's Hispanic population at the time was about 17% of all students in Olathe. Mm-hmm. So Erazo advocated for his students and founded the Olathe Leadership Lowrider Bike Club in 2016 and launched it the following year. You may have heard this in the news. There's been quite a few stories recently about this bike club, and there's some great reasons for that. I'll get it to in just a second. At first, Arazo sought to connect the at-risk Latino population um, with this with this club, this mentorship. But seven years later, today, the club is open to any student seeking mentorship and community through this bike building process. Arazo's club drew from the long history of Latinos, Mexican Americans, and Chicanos who customized their cars as lowriders in Texas and California, where Arazo was born. Kansas City later becomes very active in lowrider culture as well. But after World War II, Chicanos created the low, slow cars that we associate with lowriders, not only to represent their own personalities, but to represent their culture and community. Kids were so eager to have their own lowriders that they began customizing their bicycles, um, complete with chrome, steering wheels, exhaust pipes, upholstery, and painted murals on the bike body. Erazo saw this art form as an outlet for his students, Hmm. a type of art therapy, a way for them to connect with mentors and their own culture, and Hmm. a way to learn some unique skills. So uh, how it works is club members receive a bike kit in their freshman year or the first year of the club, and they work on it after school each week at the Olathe Advanced Technical Center, where there's some dedicated workspace for that club. And students learn skills like metalworking, welding, painting, fabrication, and upholstering through their bike building processes. They work on club projects, too. So there have been uh, bicycles made for the Olathe Police Department, the Fire Department. The DEA actually received a bike just in the last few weeks from the club. But students also work on their own bikes little by little. And if they st- stay in school and they graduate, they get to keep their customized bike when they graduate. Neat. Yeah, very cool stuff. 
But the really incredible thing here is that this club has had a 100% graduation rate to date. Oh, wow. Arazo and the other club leaders act as mentors and teachers for club members, but Arazo also wanted to forge better relationships with the Olathe's police department and through with the Latino student population. So officers join the club each week and serve as mentors and develop a rapport with the students. So the success of the club, the forging of meaningful relationships and mentorships, and that club's incredible graduation rate um, has led to nine other schools throughout the Southwest and Midwest to create their own lowrider leadership clubs, including three others here in the Kansas City Metro. Students from the Olathe chapter participate in lowrider shows throughout Kansas, and some graduates have gone on to compete nationally. So Arazo, who started as a security officer for the Olathe schools, was inspired. He went and got his BA and MA in education and now serves as the executive director of student and community engagement in the Olathe public schools. And he was most recently in the news for having won an opportunity to fly with the Blue Angels during the Garmin Air Show in honor of his incredible work with these students. Wow. Now, there's a bonus story here, too, if I can say one more thing. For sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, there's more, right? But wait. So just last week, the museum unveiled one of the club's bikes in our signature exhibit, Becoming Johnson County, during our fifth annual Hispanic Heritage Month event. More than a year ago, the museum reached out to club members and asked them to create a bike for the museum's collection. We wanted them to customize a bike not about the museum, like they've done for other organizations, but one that represented the club and its members. Neat. And the bike was entered into the museum's permanent collections as a part of the Latino Collecting Initiative, this ongoing effort that we have to make lasting relationships with the county's Latino and Hispanic community to tell a fuller, more inclusive story about Johnson County's history and represent those communities in our uh, broader collections and exhibits. Right on. So the students were there with their mentors. There was this giant gold sheet over the display, and they got to unveil the bike last week oh, during cool. that event. Yeah. And we're so proud and thrilled to have partnered with them um, and to have this incredible piece that they created in our collection and on display today, something you can see at the Johnson County Museum today. And you did not ride that over here. I sure did. <laughs> I should know. We weren't allowed to get on. We weren't allowed to get on. Uh-huh. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Three, three amazing stories, but I want more. And I have a feeling that you are the person that can uh, tell us where we can find more uh, resources for Johnson County history. Yeah. So if I can, I'll just sum up a little bit what we heard today. There's some connecting threads here that I think are interesting. So none of our heroes worked alone. That's first, right? All of them worked with the community that they were advocating for. John Barkley teamed up with fellow Sertoma Club members and later Park District employees. Corinthian Nutter had the support of parents and community members who believed in integrated education. Uh-huh. And Eric Arazo partnered with the Olathe Police Department and the school district to make his club successful. Second, you'll notice that education is at the heart of all of these stories, right? Barkley mm-hmm. passionately believed in making space for nature and time outdoors. Nutter valued equal educational opportunities for all of her students. And Arazo put emphasis on new skills and forming mentorship relationships. And lastly, each person centered the needs of their community in their work. Barkley cared not only about Johnson County's needs in the 1950s, but was thinking about the future Johnson County community and what their needs might be. Nutter sought equality for her students, a better learning environment, and therefore a better future for those students. And Arazo centered his students' needs for community and mentorship and customized a club to meet those needs and grow success in that community. So what we have is teamwork education and community, right? Each of these unsung heroes has a place in Johnson County's history and each of them is uh, uh, featured in the Johnson County Museum's exhibits and permanent uh, collections too. So folks can be inspired by um, these these individuals and they can inspire a new generation of Johnson Countyans looking to to support their own communities. 
Neat. Now, yeah. you wanted more. How can we encounter yeah, more sure. Johnson County history? So there's several ways you can do this, right? Come check out the museum, see our mm-hmm. signature exhibit, Becoming Johnson County. You can learn about Corinthian Nutter, Eric Arazzo, and the Lowrider Bike Club, and John and Marguerite Barkley. They're all in our exhibit space. You can also find out more about John Barkley and the history and the park markers that I mentioned at the entrance to Shawnee Mission Park. You can learn more about Corinthian Nutter and South Park on the museum's website. There's an online exhibit at jcprd.com museum. Okay. There's also a new Joko History blog post uh, about the Lowrider Bike Club and its display in the museum. And you can always find great images, maps, newspapers, and stories uh, from Johnson County's history on jocohistory.org, that collaborative yeah. website between the museum and the library. Mm-hmm. We love this relationship and several other local history organizations. So on there, you can find all those resources and the blog um, and just encounter all sorts of things you didn't expect to find in Johnson County history. Yeah, absolutely. So how, how difficult was it to just narrow it down to these three? Oh my four? gosh, so yeah. hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had a list, uh, uh, nearly a dozen people that I thought I could pull together um, enough to talk about in a format like this. But um, yeah, these three just really stood out to me as, yeah. as being so unique in their stories and what they brought to Johnson County, yeah. um, their their heroship, you know, what did they do? Yeah. Uh, and then also being from such diverse backgrounds and, and um, histories that I thought it was really important to highlight across the community, across time too. We went from For the sure. 1930s and 40s up through Good things happening yeah. right now, right? Yeah. So, um, and it, it, it makes me optimistic for our future that, um, and, and happy about our past that you did have so many uh, potential candidates. Yeah, there is not uh, one form of a hero. A hero can look like anything, right? So uh, hopefully that's inspiring to the Johnson County community. Don't go anywhere. There's more Joko Library uncovered to come. No, uh, no, no. Not do, I th- we're not doing that anymore. No, I think I think we're all done with the singing. Okay. Oh man, I like to play too. Yeah. Well, I think I think Andrew wrapped that up pretty well yeah. with his summary of of all of those people. But I I had prepared a quote, so I guess I'll still read it anyway. Um, Eleanor Roosevelt once said, "We do not have to become heroes overnight." Just a step at a time, meeting each thing that comes up, discovering we have the strength to stare it down. I, and I, I like that idea because I think it gets at some of what Andrew was saying. Heroes, they begin their lives just like everyone else. They are shaped, though, by not just the obstacles that they've faced along the ways, but also the way that they face those obstacles. Yeah, so the choices they make. The choices they've made, yeah, and the community around them, the values that they have inside. And I think it's inspirational the way that anyone could be a hero if yeah. they approach the world with kindness, determination, and a willingness to learn. So I think that was – those awesome. are all great stories yeah, that we had absolutely. to say. And, I want to thank Andrew again for being on this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, what's uh, – are, are we going to yeah. stay on the hero theme for the rest of this month? I think so, yeah. Next episode is our collection deep dive for the month, and we thought we would keep that hero theme going by talking memoirs. Yeah. So memoirs by moms. Uh, and, and moms are and, totally unsung heroes. Right. Yep. Yes. 
So for those of you out there who are moms, who have a mom, who know what moms are, this this episode (laughs) episode is for you. you. (laughs) So tune back in for our recommendations. Library Uncovered. So if you enjoyed today's topics, you might be interested in these recommendations from our collection. And Charles, I I have to admit, picking out uh, recommendations about heroes is very difficult. Did you experience that as well? Yeah, so... Heroes that are unsung specifically, I think, was the big right. challenge because by its very nature, if there is like a, a 350-page book published about you, right. then most likely you are being sung. <laughs> right. And then every work of fiction, you have a hero or an mm-hmm. anti-hero. You know, there's yeah. a central figure. So um it's like, well, hey, the entire collection. Right. <laughs> I recommend it. Right. <laughs> but so, but you, you, you did your due diligence yeah. and you found some titles to recommend. I did. So for the Charles choices today, uh, the first one I have is Grace Hopper and the Invention of the Information Age by nice. Kurt Beyer. So Grace Hopper, she was a visionary computer programmer. She helped pioneer um, – after her service as a Navy admiral, she would she was in the Navy working on computers, and then she started to focus on computer programming and computer languages that are based on on English because that was her spoken language. Uh, so trying to instead of doing all the zeros and ones and punch cards and things, program computers using spoken language. Okay. And she helped pioneer COBOL, which is which was the the most used language for computers up through the 1970s. So that okay. book kind of details her history and how she became such a big name in the information age. Fascinating. Yep. And the next one I have is actually available as a DVD in our collection. It is called DNA Secret of Photo 51. So that's a 2007 Nova documentary about Rosalind Franklin. And she was the scientist who discovered DNA, but her work was stolen. That picture, that photo 51, was stolen by three other men who worked in the lab with her. And those men eventually went on to publish information about the uh, the discovery of DNA and they won the Nobel Prize for the discovery, oh. but she was left off of that. Totally. And unsung. so totally unsung hero of mm. discovering the what makes up humans <laughs> about DNA. So yeah. um, interesting story and I'm I'm glad to see that there are a couple a couple books in the collection about Rosalind Franklin, but this was a, yeah. a a documentary that and that's the happy ending to it all the unsung hero you, that gets you recognized does get sung yeah do you well, want to sing no 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 that's fine you look um, like you're ready to burst into song again 
I think it's time to move on to the Dave's Double Feature. Yes, and so I'm going to send you over to our favorite place, our favorite streaming service available to you with just your library card and a PIN number. You can get in there and look at all the streaming goodness. So on? go to uh, jocolibrary.org slash elibrary. That's our elibrary. Go to the streaming video section, and there you will find one of my favorite films of 2022, Everything Everywhere. All at once. And in a nutshell, it's about an everyday flustered immigrant mother who finds herself unexpectedly in the hero role as she fights her way through the splintering timelines to save her home, family, and herself in this big-hearted, irreverent Mm. adventure through the multiverse. And I love a good multiverse story. Yeah. Um, And finally, uh, boy, I, I got really nostalgic with this one, but when I think of Unsung Heroes, I think of one of my favorite cartoons growing up, and uh, one of the things I love about this and Rocky and Bullwinkle is that adults can watch, and there's a whole second level of, of you know, winks and nods, and it's entertaining for them as well. So can you guess what my uh, uh, suggestion is? I don't Cartoon, know. From, Cartoon the 70s, from the 70s? Unsung Hero? Underdog! Underdog? Oh, man. <laughs> It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a frog. A frog? It's underdog. You're not going to (laughs) sing? No. No? Okay. Well, and if you want to hear any of uh, the uh, suggestions that we've listed um, and uh, have a little bit more from uh, Andrew, you can go to jocolibrary.org slash uncovered. Joko Library Uncovered is a production of Johnson County Library and is recorded at the Central Resource Library in Overland Park, Kansas. We would love to read your thoughtful emails at uncovered at jocolibrary.org. Join our online conversation at facebook.com slash jocolibrary. Look for us on Twitter at jocolibrary. Our website is jocolibrary.org. Subscribe to Joko Library Uncovered through your favorite podcatcher or go to jocolibrary.podbean.com. Thanks for listening and come back in two weeks for more Joko Library Uncovered. I need a hero.